There are some great names in, in that little video and some great meanings of names. We even got the names of some of our church family who are back living in the States. That was pretty epic. Um, I think I struck it pretty lucky with my name. My name, Sarah, means princess. Just saying. Um, thank you, Mum and Dad, for that. They're out of all the options. I think they did pretty well. So today we come to, like Simon said, we come to the story, the life story of a man who has the name Noah. And you may have seen him in the movies, um, or you may have seen Mel Gibson playing Noah in the movie Noah, or maybe you saw Evan Almighty. I just want to tell you, they are not the real story. They are nothing like the actual story. The movies have nothing on the book, as they say. And so what we're going to do is we're going to go to the original. We're going back to the classic, the story that we find here in Genesis. And it's in, we're going to go to chapters 5 and 6 today, the rest of the story in the um, next couple of chapters we'll look at next week. But chapters five and six, and we'll hit the story of Noah. So you ready? Here we go. Got your Bibles? Chapter five is um, one of those chapters that you might be tempted to just kind of go quickly through, but I want to take you into what's going on in this chapter. In chapter five, it's, it's the, the genealogy of Noah. So it's telling us where he's come from. It's like it's giving us his whakapapa. And it starts by taking us all the way back to Adam. And it reminds us that Adam and Eve, those first humans, had been formed by God in his image in his likeness. They, they were good and they were pure like God. And then it picks up the story from last week where, oh dear, we went into a rather disastrous family feud and we saw two brothers, Cain and Abel, and there's a murder. Cain kills Abel and it's just disastrous. And then Adam and Eve went on and they had more children. And among those children, there was a son, and that son was called Seth. And it says that Adam created Seth in his own image, in his own likeness. I wonder what you'd look like if you were in the image of your dad. I did a little bit of ferreting around. This is what I would look like. It's absolutely freaky, isn't it? I mean, I have never seen anything quite so awful. I'm quite glad that although I am kind of in the image of my dad, I'm also got a lot of my mum in me. Love your dad, love your dad, but you know, you stay you, I'll do me and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> the Bible tells us that every single human is born in the image of our first, our original father, Adam. And that means that each one of us is born with a sin nature. And this sin nature is father to child, father to child, father to child, all the way through to us. It's kind of like saying, to say you have a sin nature is kind of like saying that the sin setting is turned on in every single one of us. It is just really easy to sin basically. That's what that's telling us. We're in the image of Adam. Now, I'm not going to read through the whole of chapter five here, but I do encourage you to read it. You'll find some beautiful repetition, some beautiful symmetry, and some real depth in that chapter. But in short, here's what's going on. There are 10 generations from Adam through to Noah, and it's covering 1,056 years. I hope I got my maths right there. Um, check it and let me know. No, don't let me know if I got it wrong. Let's just be okay with that. But there's a whole bunch of time gone on there. 
And the people that we see, the men in Noah's line are the people we're focusing on. It goes Adam, Seth, Enosh, Kenan, Mahalalel, Jared, Enoch, Methuselah, Lamech, and then Noah, da 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 And when you read the chapter, you just can't help but notice this little repeated phrase that comes in after every single one of these men gets mentioned, bar one. And so what it does is it says so-and-so's name, he lived this many years, and then it says, and then he died. So-and-so was born, lived this many years, and then he died. And it just repeats that. And the length of life, the number of years that each one lived varied, but the outcome was the same and then he died. It's a sure thing, isn't it? It's funny, if you think back to the beginning of this In the Beginning series in Genesis, God said to Adam and Eve, if you sin, you will certainly die. And then the serpent came along and he said, if you sin, you will not certainly die. And they sinned, and guess what? They certainly died. And every single other person died. And you see, the deal is this, if you sin, you will die. It's a bit like this. I have a prop with me today. I'm a bit of a props person when I speak. We're, we're all of us like Adam, given the opportunity and the choice to sin. And I'm going to talk about that as like picking up this end of the stick. I'm choosing to sin. I pick up this end of the stick. But when I choose to pick up this end of the sin, the stick at least by sinning, this end of the stick comes too. And the way this works is that, yes, I have the choice about sin, but I do not have the choice about consequence. It's two ends of the same stick. If I choose to sin, the consequence comes with it. I don't get to have no consequences. I don't even get to choose what the consequences will be. This is the stick of sin and death. And and like me and like Adam, You're a sinner. You've picked up that stick. And the one sure thing is this. You will certainly die. So the genealogy takes us through all of these names. And there is one person who stands out. He's like a big, bright, shining light. He's a different kind of man. And he stands out in this genealogy um, that goes from Adam through to Noah. And his name is Enoch. And he was Adam's great, 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 grandson and he was the great grandpa of Noah and there's something about this man something different you see from the age of 65 verse 22 tells us Enoch walked faithfully with God for the next 300 years what does it mean to walk with God do you walk with God To walk with God means that you live in relationship with God, in obedience to God, and with faith in God. And I love it because when I read it and I read read, uh, verse 24, it says, Enoch walked faithfully with God, and then he was no more because God just, boom, took him away. And so this guy stands out in this live, uh, born, live, then he died, born, live, then he died. But with Enoch, born, lived, walked with God, God took him away. And it makes me smile and I wonder, did God so enjoy this walk, this walk that everyone was supposed to have had with him, but this man stood out as different in that he did walk with God? Did God so enjoy this walk that he just took him away? And so Enoch didn't die. Isn't that crazy? Are you someone who has faith in God and, and someone who walks with God? Do you, do you have relationship with God, obey God, have faith in God? Do you stand out in your genealogy? 
as a man, as a woman, as a boy, as a girl who walks with God. Maybe you're the first one. Maybe you're about to become the first one in your line. Someone who stands out as a bright, shining light. I walk with God. Enoch started at 65. You've got to love that, right? It is never too late to start walking with God. And so then we move on and we find Methuselah and Lamech and then we get to Noah. Noah, his name means comfort. And when he was born, Lamech, his dad, said this in verse 29. He said, he will comfort us in the labor and painful toil of our hands caused by the ground the Lord has cursed. Can you imagine Lamech, this this dad and this little baby boy gets born and Lamech receives this little baby and, he's, and he names him Noah because he will bring us comfort. It's like Lamech is saying, life is hard and it's hard to make a living and the ground is hard and I'm up against the thorns and the thistles and the rock and oh man, it's hard to crack out a living around here. But now I have a son and he's gonna join the family business and we're gonna be shoulder to shoulder and he's gonna bring me comfort. But the crazy thing is, Lamech had no idea just what comfort Noah would bring, not just what comfort God would offer the world through Noah. And so his story goes on in chapter six. But before we get to his story, I I really want us just to take a pause before we move from five, chapter five to chapter six. You see, this book, this book, the Bible is like no other book. Have you read this book? This is a crazy life-changing kind of book. And from cover to cover, I can assure you, from cover to cover, this book tells the story of salvation. And, And God writes it in throughout the whole book. And this little chapter five that appears to just be a list of names, just a genealogy, right embedded in this chapter is the amazing story of salvation. God takes the names of everyone in the line of Noah, every man in the line of Noah, and he writes the story of the coming savior, the gospel, through those names. I'll tell you, I was gonna say, do you want me to tell you, but I'm just gonna tell you anyway. I'm gonna tell you what the story is that he writes and the meanings of those names. Here's what those names mean. Remember, this is talking about Jesus. The man appointed to death, sorrowful, From the presence of God, one comes down, dedicated, dying. He shall send to the poor and lowly rest, comfort, peace. What? Wow. You'll never read a genealogy the same way again. God's word is amazing. And God is writing through every generation the gospel promise of his son, Jesus. His name means saviour. Isn't that wonderful? And so we go forward on the resting on that, resting on that story of salvation we go into chapter six. And it's just a thousand years into the history of humanity and we find the world in a terrible state. Everything that could go wrong has gone wrong. There's immense wickedness and evil and corruption and violence and the very core intentions, the thoughts of, of, the, of human beings had become consistently wicked. Can you imagine? Things on the earth were worse than we have ever known. How did it get so dark? 
Well, chapter 6, verses 1 through 4, give us a strong hint. And I'm going to read the majority of that to you right now. When human beings began to increase in number on the earth and daughters were born to them, the sons of God saw that the daughters of humans were beautiful and they married any of them they chose. The Nephilim were on the earth in those days and also afterward when the sons of God went to the daughters of humans and had children by them. They were heroes of old, men of renown. You might think, what on earth is that talking about? Well, the sons of God in the Bible always refers to angels. And they can either be the wonderful angels who spend their whole time doing the will of God and worshipping him, or they can be the fallen angels um, that we call demons. And right here, this is what this is talking about. It's talking about these, these demons who came and mated with human females. And these unions resulted in freakish offspring who were more freakish than me and my dad morphed together. <laughs> they were called the Nephilim, and they were, they were referred to as um, the heroes of old, the men of renown. And this activity between demons and humans was so wicked in God's sight. And the result was a, a level of evil and violence and wickedness and corruption in the world that we have not yet seen repeated. These were terrible days. And we've got to understand that when we see the level of judgment coming against this level of wickedness. And in the backdrop of this horribly corrupt environment, one light shines. And it's this man, and he's called Noah, and his name means comfort. Chapter 6, verse 8 and 9, But Noah found favour in the eyes of the Lord. And this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. And Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Noah was different from all the other men around him. He was a righteous man. He was living among evil people, and he walked with God, just like Enoch did. He had relationship with God, obedience to God, faith in God. And so we, we read through chapter 6, and here's the story. Here's what went on. Chapter 6, verse 5 and 6, God saw. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. And the Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled. And verse 11, now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence and God saw how corrupt the earth had become for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. God saw and God planned. Verse seven, so the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created and with them the animals, the birds and the creatures that move along the ground for I regret that I have made them. And God spoke. Verse 13, he said, So God said to Noah, I am going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I'm surely going to destroy both them and the earth. And he told Noah to build an ark, and he gave him all the specifics of that ark, this floating construction, and he told him to receive in the animals. And he explained to Noah how he was going to wipe out humanity. 
In verse 17, he said, I'm going to bring floodwaters on the earth to destroy all life under the heavens. Every creature that has the breath of life in it, everything on earth will perish. And God said to Noah, verse 18 to 22, but I will establish my covenant with you and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. And you're to bring into the ark two of all living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. Two of every kind of bird, of every kind of animal, of every kind of creature that moves along the ground. They'll come to you to be kept alive. And you're to take every kind of food that is to be eaten and store it away as food for you and for them. And Noah did everything just as God commanded him. If ever there were a chapter in the Bible that should really put to rest the question of whether God is serious about sin, this is a chapter. This is the chapter to do this. If you've ever wondered, does God really see? Does God really care? Does God really care about the the sins that I do? Does God see the evil in the world? Is God going to come through? Let this chapter tell you. He does and he will. And in Ecclesiastes 12 verse 14, it says, For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether good or evil. God sees what we think goes unnoticed. God sees what's hidden. God knows. And God will judge all sin. So you might wonder, How does this picture of the judgment, uh, the, the wrath of God towards sin, how does that fit in and, and, and come alongside of what we know and what we always hear about the love of God? How do these things coexist? Well, later in the Bible, actually toward the end of the Bible, in a book called Jude, in verse 14, it tells us a little bit more about that guy Enoch who walked with God back in the genealogy. It tells us this about him. It says, Enoch was a prophet who prophesied that judgment was coming. He probably prophesied for 300 years, warning people, warning, warning, repent, turn. And then in 2 Peter and in Hebrews 11, it tells us more about Noah. It says that not only did he build an ark, but he also, while he built that ark, he preached righteousness and he warned the people that were living around him about the judgment that was coming, all while he built the place of comfort and safety that they could have come into. It's like God was shouting to humanity. It's like God was warning uh, person after person after person, come to me, change your ways, repent, turn to me so that I can save you. You know, if there's nothing fearsome, awesome about God's holiness, then there's nothing amazing about his grace and his love. And it wasn't only them that called out. Many called out warnings and Jesus also called out warnings. And back in Matthew 24, verses 36 to 41, we read that Jesus said, this is how it will be when God's judgment once again comes on the earth. And this hasn't happened yet. This is going to happen. 
Jesus says this, as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. That's Jesus. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage. Right up to the day Noah entered the ark and they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. And this is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding grain with a handmill. One will be taken and the other left. For the last 2,000 years, the words of Jesus have warned us. The church of Jesus has warned us of God's coming judgment. Noah, his name means comfort. False comfort says that sin has no consequences, that all is well, that God's judgment isn't coming, that that everybody is safe, that everybody, no one's going to go to hell, everyone's going to go to heaven. That's false comfort. But true comfort addresses the true problem of sin with a certain solution of salvation. Jesus, his name means saviour. You, like me, have picked up the stick, the stick of sin that carries the the, the other part of it is death. You've picked up that that stick and the consequence is death and judgment. But God has provided a place of comfort and salvation and that place is Jesus Christ. And when he died on the cross, he took the judgment and the wrath of God against sin. You see, there is another stick. And if you will choose to pick up this stick, the choice that you are making is to repent of your sin. To repent means to turn away completely from your sin and to fully turn to God. And if you will do that, that choice comes with a consequence. Through the cross of Jesus Christ, you will receive forgiveness for all of your sin. Have you picked up that stick? Have you repented of your sin and received the forgiveness of Jesus Christ for your sin? God is calling out to you today. Wherever you are right now, God is calling out and he's saying to you, repent, turn from your sin and turn to him and receive forgiveness. And if you haven't done that yet, you could be 65 years old for all I know. Today is your day. And I encourage you right now, put down the other stick and pick up the stick of repentance. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now where you can do just that. You can give your life over to God. And maybe you're sitting as a couple and you just want to look at each other and say, let's do that together. Maybe together you want to give your lives to Jesus. Maybe as a family, maybe you're in a group and you just alone, you just want to give your life to Jesus right now. Join with me. I'm going to pray. And you can just pray along in your heart or out loud. Dear God, right now, I choose to put down the stick of sin and death, and I choose to pick up the stick of repentance and forgiveness. Right now, I repent of my sin, the hidden sins and the known sins. And I ask you, please forgive me through the cross of Jesus Christ. And right now, I commit my life to Jesus Christ. I'm all yours. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
You know, if you just did that, if you prayed that prayer and gave your life to Jesus, then can I encourage you to click? There's a button on the chat function if you're watching live right now and and just click the button that says, I commit my life to Jesus Christ. And then you'll be able to go on and just give us your details, your contact details, so that we can help you to know what it means to walk with God. And if you're watching this at some other time, then you can email online at the street.org.nz again, so we can help you walk with God.